worship. You ever um, purchase something and and kind of felt empty after you purchased it, thought it would meet a need and it didn't? Uh, maybe maybe you're like me. I've drank Diet Coke for like 30 years and I've never lost weight drinking Diet Coke. You know, right? Uh, you know, there's those things that you do that, that it just doesn't quite satisfy. It's, it's not quite what you think it is. It's to, to use maybe a, a stronger term, it's a ripoff. <laughs> Anybody ever been ripped off? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever been ripped off this week? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we buy those things and we think it'll change our life or it'll meet, meet this need, and, and so often it doesn't. Uh, I'm reminded, uh, anybody have comic books when you were growing up and they had the advertisements in the comic books? Anybody ever see these advertisements for these, these sea monkeys? Where, where are they at? They up there? We know screen. <laughs> anybody ever order those? You know, I'm always curious what they really were, but you know, the, the sea monkeys, you know, they, they look so cool and, 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 and I have a feeling when you got them, they didn't look like this little family. I, I don't know. But I know one time I ordered off a comic book. I ordered, they had revolutionary uh, soldiers, and they looked like they were this big. And I got them, and they were this big. I mean, they were the smallest things you'd ever, you know, I, you know they cost me like, I think they cost me almost $9, <laughs> which was a lot of money. I don't know why I was expecting to be so big. But, you know, sometimes we order things or we get things, and, and, they, and they just don't meet the need, and, and we're just not satisfied. And, and I guess that's the question of the day, are, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? Now, now the Rolling Stones, and, and these, these were English folks, I think, and I don't think this is good English, but they said, I can't get no satisfaction. I think that's a double negative, so maybe they were getting satisfaction, I don't know, but, but, but I think that's been kind of the, the, the phrase of our age. Uh, I can't get no satisfaction, or I'm not satisfied, and, and nothing seems to make me satisfied. We live in this age of dissatisfaction. It's all around us. And to be honest, in this room, there are people, even though you're in church, and even though you may even be a believer, you are dissatisfied with life. It's, it's, not, it's not what you thought it would be, and, 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 and you fill your life with many things, but it's still like you're empty. There's something missing. Even in the church, we, 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 we seem to be working harder and earning more and accumulating more, and yet we're still less satisfied in our life. And, and for many, it's like there's this gigantic hole in their life, and we just keep piling things in that hole in the hope that somehow we're, we'll feel full and satisfied and complete and, and we, we, we pour material things and we, we pour pleasure and we pour relationship in that hole and we pour power in that hole and it still is empty. As a matter of fact, the more we accumulate these things, oftentimes, the more empty we feel, the more money we make, the more pleasure we have, the more power we have, the more relationships we have, we still feel this emptiness. And we can say, well, this is, that's the problem of our age. And it is, to a degree, the problem of our age, but it's the problem of the ages. <laughs> this isn't something that's new. It's not all of a sudden a new ideal that, that people will, will strive after 
material and temporary things and not be full, but, but it's an age-old problem. As a matter of fact, in the ancient book of Ecclesiastes, this is a book written by Solomon. Solomon is this, this wise guy, the, the smartest, one of the smartest people in the Bible. He, he had it all. He had money. He had brains. He had power. He was the king after David. He was David's son through Bathsheba. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Which means, men, on Labor Day weekend, he had a thousand honey-do lists. Can you imagine that? But Solomon was this great man of wisdom, and he, he wrote the book Ecclesiastes. He wrote the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. He wrote much of Proverbs. He, he wrote many of the Psalms. And yet, with all that he had, the money, the brains, the power wives. Husband, look at your wife right now and say, I'm glad there's only one of you. Right? You know, there's a lot of things that I see in the Bible. Uh, polygamy is not one of those things that is, is appealing to me. But Solomon says, everything is meaningless. Completely Meaningless. It's pretty strong words to start a book in the Bible, right? <laughs> Ooh, praise the Lord. You know, after everything I've gotten, everything's just meaningless. And I wonder if, you know, I don't know what you raise your hand, but, you know, maybe this morning in, in a sanctuary that's two-thirds full or one-half full, there may be people in here that if you were honest, you'd be saying, Amen, Solomon. Everything's just meaningless. That all this striving, all that I've done, it just feels empty. Education, money, relationships, pleasure, nothing has filled my life. Now, now Solomon had an answer or had a, um, a reason for this problem, a, a, something that you could point to in Ecclesiastes 3.11. Solomon says, God has placed eternity in everyone's heart. In other words, every person has, if, if you were born at some point in your life, if you was born, raise your hand. All right, somebody take notes of those who didn't raise their hand. I want to know how they got here this morning. We may have aliens. If you were born, you have this eternal need in your heart. And, and God has placed eternity in your heart. And, and all these things we've talked about, money and relationships and education and power and pleasure and status, these are all temporary things. Amen? And only the eternal can fill an eternal need. Can we say amen to that? Amen. So if there's this eternal need within us, only the eternal can fill it. And yet, too often, we try to fill it with the temporary, with the material. And folks, even in the church, godly people will stray and at times will start trying to fill our lives with the wrong things. And Solomon addresses many of these things in Ecclesiastes. This, this is what the book's about. He, he says, well, you know, we try to fill this gap with knowledge. 
with education, with schooling, with wisdom. And, and, and Solomon says, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. In other words, Solomon says, the more I know, the more unhappy I am. You know, some of the most unhappy people I've known are people that teach in a college environment. That's really true. Maybe it was just with me they were unhappy, though, Josh, now that I think about it. Maybe it was the papers I was turning in. Some of those grades that I got, they were some bitter grades. Knowledge won't fill this eternal need. Nothing wrong with knowledge. Nothing wrong with learning. Nothing wrong with getting an education. But but it won't fill that deep need within. We, We try to fill this gap with pleasure. You know, we, we find games to play and things to do and television shows to watch and movies to go to and, and all these things that we try to do to fill our time, the pleasure, the good times, and, and, and we try to, to, to fill our life and, and, and some of the pleasure is illicit and, and completely immoral and some of it's not. I mean, the, you know, the, this isn't just about people going out and going, getting stinking drunk on the street or doing drugs or those kind of things, but, but sometimes we just fill, try to fill our life with good pleasures. Solomon says this, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So even pleasure can't feel that need. Even power. You know, we'll, we'll try to, to fill this need that we have in our life with power or, or with status or with, with, with position. And, and, and folks in the church, I've seen this over and over, where people try to fill their need with status in the church. You know, that, that's the great temptation for pastors, by the way. You understand that? You know, that somehow if, if we could be a thousand-level church, I'll have more status and more power, and that I'll be more fulfilled. And, 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 and folks, that's a, even in, in this pastor's life, that's a struggle, right? Do you pray for your pastor? <laughs> I hope you do. You know, I'm just like you. There, there's struggles that I have that, that I have to deal with things. And, you know, just like you struggle with things, your pastor struggles with things. I, I hope that doesn't make you think less of me. I, I hope that makes us connect and we realize that we're in this together. But, you know, we try to fill our things with, with status and position and with, with renown. And, and, and Solomon says this, Endless crowds stand around the king. But then another generation grows up and rejects him too. So it's all meaningless like chasing the wind. In other words, all this power that I have, it's fading. And there's going to be another generation, there's going to be another king, and I'll just be a figment of their imagination. Something they may remember, but the power is meaningless. We try to fill this work with, fill this gap with work and you know, that if somehow I can have the right position, if I can make a right, the right amount of money, if I can have the right status in other people's eyes, if, if, I, if I get this job, then I'll be full. Solomon says this, 
Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. Uh, this too is meaningless, a great tragedy. tragedy. So what do, do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? The days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds can't rest. It's all meaningless. <laughs> uh, boy, that would have been a good topic for a Labor Day Sunday sermon just alone, wouldn't it? You know, all these things that we do, all, all these things we do to fit fill this eternal need. And, and the book of Ecclesiastes just continues to, to, to go back to this issue of, of trying to fill this eternal need with temporary things. Temporary things cannot fill an eternal need. It's impossible. It can't do it. What, what's temporary cannot fill out an eternal hole in our hearts. Finally, we get to the End of Solomon, and this is how he concludes. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God, keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. In other words, at the end of it, all he says, at the end of it all, what, what can we do? We can fear God. And can I put it in a simple statement? Only an eternal God can meet an eternal need. That would have been a good time to say amen. You're still not going to give me an amen on that. Let's try it again. Only an eternal God can meet an eternal need. That's right, right? You know, it's been phrased many ways throughout history. Um, St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. In other words, there's, there's this urge, this desire that, that until we find satisfaction, rest in God, there's no satisfaction, there's no rest. The, the French philosopher Pascal coined the term the God-shaped hole, and, and probably some of you have heard that in your life, and, and this was from a French philosopher in the 18th century, this God-shaped hole within all of us that only God can fill. Modern theologians use the, the term religious a priori, priori and this, this is the need for religion, and, and this need for religion within humanity demonstrates that there is an emptiness, and religion is seeking to fill this emptiness. In other words, there's something within all of us that cannot be satisfied by all of these substitutes, and, and if you're... If you're sitting in this room today and you've tried to fill your life with substitutes, there's this longing, there's this yearning for more. Now Bonhoeffer in the 20th century is, is, is critical, rightly so, with, with the, the religious order of his day since that the religious order of his day ha, has become um, a, a friend of the Nazi party. And so he, he becomes very anti modern religion in Germany, and, and I, I think he hits on something that's pretty important for us to see. If you are filling the eternal need with pure religion and not relationship with your heavenly Father, you are using a temporary thing to fill an eternal need. And in the church, it's possible to know all the words and do all the right things, and yet there be this emptiness because there's no personal relationship with the God who fills the eternal need. 
So, you know, we, we can talk, and I can talk about money and power and pleasure, and you may be saying amen and amen and amen, but if you're still trying to fill this eternal need with pure religion, only religion, you still feel empty. And see, that's not something that a, a pastor, I, I won't know. I mean, for, from the outside, everything looks fine. I, 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 just looking at your life, you, you know, you may be living the right life, but inside there's this urge for something more. Maybe we can put it this way. Only God can fill our need for God. Nothing else. Not money, not power, not pleasure, not relationship, not family, not a husband, not a wife, not kids, not grandkids, not even religion can fill our need for God. Only God can fill our need for God. So what is the answer today? (laughs) heard this story. It's an an old story. If you've been around the church for a while, you've heard a hundred preachers tell this joke, but there's this boy in the Sunday school class, and and, and it's a Sunday school class, and so the teachers uh, quizzed him, and she's saying, okay, what's black and white and lives in the Antarctica? And the little boy thinks for a while. He goes, well, it sure sounds like a penguin, but I know it has to be Jesus because we're in Sunday school. Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. And as a Christian church, as as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, the only answer we can give as a church is Jesus is the answer. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, all these things that have come before, they've all just been pointing to me. And right now in Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to have that eternal need within your heart filled. So this morning, there's four things that that we kind of want to do today and as as we close. And and, uh, you know what it means when a pastor says in closing? Absolutely nothing. First thing, I want to introduce a revised vision statement and, and for, for our church that your church board has, has adopted. Uh, your, your, your current vision statement, which is not, is not on any of our documents. I, I, I have seen it nowhere, but it is the vision statement that's been there for several years is to make Christ-like disciples. And, and you, you don't see it. You, know, you see the believe or belong, believe, become, which is a strategy uh, that was uh, announced several years ago. But, but we're going to use the vision statement to make Christ like disciples, but, but we're going to state it just slightly in a different way. And, and, and it's like this, and it's in your bulletin, you can see it. Ordinary people following Jesus. That's who we are. Well, when you talk about a vision, a vision statement is simply a statement as who, who, who do we want to be or who are we? As a matter of fact, when, when we... When we project this and put this on website, I think instead of putting vision statement and mission statement, I think I'm just going to put who we are. (laughs) Who are we? We're ordinary people following Jesus. And on your bulletin, there's this little manifesto, this um, description, 
And actually, we'll be tracking through this for the next several weeks as we just unpack what it means to be ordinary people following Jesus. Let me read this to you, though, and you can read along. What is our vision? We believe it's very simple. We are simply ordinary people following Jesus. There's a lot of churchy words we could use, but we believe it comes down to following Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we find the way, the truth, and the life by following Jesus. We find our way to the Father by following Jesus. We're not following Jesus because he, we believe he lived a good life or was simply a good man. We believe that Jesus was more than simply a good teacher. We believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. We believe that when we see Jesus, we've seen the Father, and that's why we're following Jesus. When we say we're ordinary people following Jesus, we're not talking about a past tense relationship. We don't believe that Jesus is dead. In fact, fundamental to following Jesus is the ideal that we follow a risen Jesus. In following Jesus, we become more than rule keepers and instead live in relationship with Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the words of the Bible to life and connects us to a spiritual reality in which following Jesus is possible. What do we mean when we say we are ordinary people following Jesus? We believe that Jesus calls ordinary people to follow him. If you're ordinary, raise your hand. (laughs) He called us. We are your neighbors, your classmates, your childhood friends, and your co-workers. We are just ordinary people, but when we look at the biblical account of Jesus, that's what we find, ordinary people following Jesus. But following Jesus isn't ordinary. We believe that it's extraordinary. As ordinary people following Jesus, we see life in the world in a whole new way. Jesus compared it to being born again. It means that we're striving to have the mind of Christ This isn't always easy. In fact, we need our minds to be transformed, which only happens when we give our entire life to God and begin following Jesus. It's as ordinary people following Jesus that we learn what it means to live. We learn that to truly live, we have to die to ourselves and live for something bigger and better. God moves us from being ordinary to the extraordinary, the holy. We begin to see that love is the key. Jesus sums up the whole law in two commands, love God completely and your neighbor as yourself. We begin to understand that our mission is helping others begin following Jesus. We believe we do this together, ordinary people doing life together. We need each other. Together we learn what it means to forgive, love, and share. Together we experience grace and mercy. Together we share sorrows. Together we learn to serve, pray, and worship. That's what ordinary people following Jesus means to us. It is doing life together. It is loving and giving. It is going and sharing. It is placing our everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life before God as an offering. Not that we've got it all down perfect, but we press on in following Jesus. It's an adventure of a lifetime, and we invite you to join us, ordinary people following Jesus. That's who we are. You know, we're, it's not that God's called us because we're extraordinary people, but we're just ordinary people. And God has invited us along on the journey and has invited us to follow Jesus. And we find meaning in life because of this man, Jesus, who is risen and alive and in relationship with us. That's who we are. 
And as ordinary people following Jesus, the, the question is, what do we want to measure? What, what we, will be the goal of this church? What, what will we be trying to accomplish? And I believe the goal of the church, the goal of any church, is for people to be saved, recommitted, and sanctified. And if you believe that, say amen. The goal of this church is to be a life force in this community where people can find life in following Jesus. This past week, I was at um, Grove City, Nazarene, and Grove. If you don't know, Grove City is a mega church, and you know they're located in, in southern south of Columbus, and um, they, they were much like us. 20 years ago, a 300-level church, and, and they've exploded to about a 3,000-level church. And their pastor was Bob Huffaker, who's since retired. I think he moved out to Colorado. And Mark Fuller is the current pastor. And his, his father-in-law was actually my pastor many years ago at Kansas City, St. Paul's. And so I called Mark up and said, hey, can I just sit and talk to you about Grove City and what you're doing? And, and he was at Crossroads, which was a church that grew from 300 to 1,500, reaching... Uh, lost people. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of pick his brain about some of the principles or some of the things that made these churches different and reach people. Because I want you to understand, Grove City wasn't built on transfer growth. It was built on lost people finding Jesus. <laughs> so I met with Mark and, and, he, and a lot of things. I'm not going to go into all our conversation, all the things he talked about. But, but one of the things he said was this. Huffaker used to say, the most important person at Grove City Nazarene is the one who hasn't come yet. <laughs> Folks, we're not there yet. Can, can I be honest with you as your pastor and as your leader? We're not there yet. But I believe God wants us to get there. Where, where we see those outside these walls as as important as anyone in these walls because we see our mission as reaching the lost. So what are we going to measure? Are we going to be a church that's just worried about whether we fill the sanctuary? Are we going to be a church that's consumed with reaching lost people with the message of Jesus Christ and seeing people saved and sanctified and recommitted and finding people who've been disenfranchised and dissatisfied with the church and creating a space where they can find peace with Jesus once again? The next thing I want us to talk about is on the back wall you see Jesus is. And uh, I wish I could take credit for, for this little thing, but, but this is something that uh, Judas Smith did at Seattle, uh, at, at, at church in Seattle several years ago. And he's actually got a book, Jesus Is. It's a, it's a nice little read, interesting book. But, but on the back walls there's a sign that says Jesus, Jesus Is. And then there's post-it notes where, where you can just write that down. Uh, you can answer that correct. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is life. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is love. Jesus is, you fill in the blank. And what I encourage you to do over the next couple weeks, and we'll have that up at least two or three weeks as we talk about who Jesus is over the next few Sundays. As we talk about who Jesus is, and this week, as you think, you know, what does Jesus mean to you? Fill out one of those little post-it notes and stick it on the wall. And then as we leave on Sundays, you can go by and you can gather 
who Jesus is and what Jesus means to others. The last thing's a question, are you satisfied? Stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask Mike to come. Is he in here? Or did he leave? Mike, if you're here, say, here I am. There, here he comes. He was asleep behind that wall. Can you believe it? Are you watching Gene? Uh, we need somebody to watch you watching Gene's what we need. Are you satisfied? You know, the altar is a place where you can meet with God. And, and it doesn't mean, an altar's not a, a, some sort of failure place, but it's the place of, of victory. And, and it may just be neat, you just need to, to recommit, or maybe you just need to, to, to clarify some things, or, or maybe there's something that's, that's kind of been taking your attention from God. And you just may need to meet with God for a few minutes at the altar. Maybe this message was for you this morning, and there's been a deep need within you, and you just need to make things right. So I'm going to ask Mike to sing the song he sang, and the special you sang, and we're going to close in prayer, but I'd invite you to come if you'd like to come and pray. closed just between you and I and I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to come after I have you do this but you'd say pastor you know this emptiness you're talking about that was me would you just lift your hand real, real quickly let us pray our heavenly father right now we want to fill our life with you because the truth be told, you the, you're the only thing that can fill our lives. And Lord, if, if we were honest, we would admit that there's times that we strive after the wrong things. 
We, we strive after material things or we strive after power or pleasure or, or we try to fill our life with, with what's not eternal and we come up lacking. So help us now, Lord, just to um, turn our eyes completely to you. To, to, to not be satisfied with lesser things, but only to be satisfied with you, the one who satisfies our soul. So Lord, I give you thanks for this day. I'm thankful for those who've gathered on this Labor Day weekend. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a safe weekend. And Lord, as we come back next week and start talking more about Jesus, may we be excited. May we be excited, Lord, because Jesus gives life. I praise you, Father, for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. And I pray now, Lord, as we um, leave this place and go to Sunday school classes or, or wherever we need to go, that, Lord, we will um, keep our eyes on you and we'll be salt and light wherever we find ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.